We're looking today at Acts chapter 4, verse 23 to 31. We won't do this just now. You can get the other PowerPoint up. There we go. You know, when uh, when I first started hanging around with pilots, uh, and that's a that's a long story. But uh, for a while, I was. I you know you quickly learn they've got all sorts of sayings about things that pilots do. And so you started to very quickly learn, and, and they're always eager to teach new people um, uh, their, their little aphorisms, their little small truths about what they do and uh, the work that they do and about uh, a pilot's life. One of them, uh, one of them that, that I learned uh, fairly early on was, don't stand if you can sit, and don't sit if you can lie. And lie in, sen- in the sense of lying down, uh, of course, not, not telling an untruth. The idea is you need to be rested because you never know when you're going to get called on to fly. You don't know how long you're going to be flying for. You don't know how long you may have to stay awake. So the idea was don't stand there and get tired. Sit down. And if you, don't, if you can even lie down, even better, lie down. And I, worked, uh, I was with some pilots who that you would go and, you know, if, if they would say, oh, it looks like we're not going to be leaving for 15 minutes. Next thing you know, they're fast asleep laying down. And... It was just because they didn't know when they might sleep again. I think cats totally own that idea. Cats totally own the idea of don't sit if you can lie. You need to sleeping all the time because you never know what's going to come up. Those of you with cats know what I'm talking about. What do you think of when we talk about boldness? Does a certain individual come to mind? Does someone who uh, you know well uh, strike you uh, and, and just come to your mind when you think of boldness. What do you think of? It? What do you think it means? A dictionary definition of boldness is willingness to take risks and act innovatively, confidence or courage. As I was thinking of boldness, another pilot saying came to mind. Some of you who uh, are pilots or connected to that uh, field will know this one. And you can't quite see it there. This is flying rule number four. And it says, there are old pilots. And there are bold pilots. But there are no old, bold pilots. The idea is old, bold pilots die quickly. So you can be old or you can be a bold pilot, but you can't be both. And that fits in with the definition. If you think about it, as a, as a pilot, uh, do you want your pilot as you're flying to Toronto, one who takes risks and acts innovatively, has confidence and courage? Not really. You don't want your pilot to be innovative. You want him to get on that track that follows the flight plan that he followed, to stay at the proper altitude, to make sure there's green lights on all his instrument panels, and to fly smoothly and safely and land a nice, just glide it in and grease that landing at the other end. You don't want him to be saying, well, let's see how far we can fly before we run out of fuel. Or let's just see how fast this thing will go. Or or let's try the maximum climb rate. You don't want that kind of thing. So you don't want to have a bold pilot. But what about us as we're doing outreach? Are we bold? Are we willing to take risks, to act innovatively, to have confidence, 
encouraged. And that's where we come to the book of Acts. Book of Acts chapter 4. And we find our friends in the book of Acts chapter 4 doing just this. And so we we won't take the time to read the whole passage when we'll end up focusing on the end or uh, verses 23 to 31. But look at our friends in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 4. Peter and John have been going around. We read it at the beginning in verse 1 of Acts chapter 4. Um, it says, The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. So Peter and John are doing their thing. They're telling people about Jesus. It's a very natural thing for them to do and they were just doing it as part of what they do. That was had become their life. It started to attract some attention and maybe some uh, positive attention. People were interested in what they had to say, but some negative attention at the same time. And so they're there. They're telling people about uh, Jesus. Then these priests, the, the temple guards come, the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the day and the uh, their the, 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 the guards at the temple come, they grab Peter and John. They throw them in jail to let them go home and think about their lives. Rethink their lives. See if they can understand the seriousness of what they're doing and how they're disturbing the uh, environment that's around them. How they're disturbing the faith of the day. How they're upsetting people and causing a bit of an uproar. And so they throw them in jail just to get them to stop and think about what they're doing and reflect that that they're not attracting all as good attention here. That some people are unhappy with what they're doing and so they need to be careful. And so they're put into prison uh, just uh, for a little bit as a bit of a warning for what's, what they're doing. And it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 5, the next day the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. And they had, verse 7, it says they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. So they're called before the council. Peter and uh, and John are called before the council to give an account of what they're doing to try and explain themselves. The leaders want to know, what is it you're doing? Why are you doing this? And even they say, by what power uh, or what name did you do this? And they're referring back to an event that just happened and they had healed uh, they had healed a man uh, just before this. And that was really what had attracted the attention. and They had healed him. Uh, and so, they want to know, how are you doing this? How did you do this? What kind of trickery did you use? What did you, what did you do? And so, they want them to explain themselves and to find out what it is that they were doing. And then in verse 8, we read, Peter It says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. They speak the truth plainly and clearly to this council and say, It's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. And you need to know Him. And in fact, they take a little shot at these uh, leaders too. They say, you know that Jesus, the One you crucified, He's the One that we're doing this. He's, it's His power. It's His authority that's at work. 
in the man who got healed. It's not us. This kind of takes the leaders by surprise. And in verse 13 it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So it certainly got their attention when they heard this from these guys. They didn't expect them to be able to speak so well. These were just fishermen, not men who were used to standing before the high council of the priests and the Sadducees and the keepers of the law. And here they were. They were speaking eloquently with confidence, with boldness. And they were speaking speaking about Jesus. And so it kind of catches them off guard. And they're kind of puzzled by it. But they also, it all, you also get a sense there that they have some uh, new respect for Peter and John. That they could do this. Then in verse 15, they withdraw. It says, so they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin. So they send Peter and John out. And then they conferred together. They went behind closed doors to talk about what they're going to do. Which raises an interesting question is how do we know? How do we have recorded for us uh, what was said behind closed doors. Clearly someone uh, told Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, afterwards what had happened behind those closed doors. And they talk about what to do with these guys. They're not sure. It, they say, what are we going to do with these men? Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. So they warn, they decide they should warn Peter and John off. Tell them, stop talking about Jesus. Stop creating this, uh, this, this, this uproar that's going on in the city. Then in verse 18, or in verse 18 it says, Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to Him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. So here are these two fishermen standing before the council. The council meets and they say, we need to stop these guys. So they call them back in and say, you guys need to stop. And this is the sort of the trial, if you will, after they've spent a night in prison. So... Peter and John know what they're capable of doing, what these leaders can do to them. And they say, too bad. We're going to talk about Jesus anyway. We're not going to let this uh, distract us from the mission. We're not going to listen to you over Jesus, the One who was raised from the dead. Jesus, the One we followed. Jesus, the Son of God. We know who we're going to listen to. We're going to listen to Jesus when He tells us that we're going to go and tell people That's what we're going to do. And sorry if that's a problem for you. And so uh, the the leaders threaten them again and then send them out and hope that maybe these guys will just go away and leave them alone and will be quiet. They go back. We read in verse 23. And here's our passage for today. They go to, to, in verse 23, it says, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of Your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plod in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against His anointed one. 
Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. They go back to the people and they pray. They talk about what's happened and they pray. And we look at verse 29 gives us part of that prayer. They don't pray for protection, which you might expect they would do as they're facing that kind of opposition. They might pray, well, Lord, protect us from those rulers, from the uh, temple guards, from the Sadducees and the teachers of the law who are going to come against us. Lord, protect us from them. Maybe they might pray, Lord, show us a place we should go where we could uh, worship Jesus and we could talk about Jesus freely. Show us a safe place where we could go to run away and be safe and secure. They don't pray that, Lord, may the name of Jesus go out by some other way because we're facing too much opposition. They don't pray that. What do they pray? They pray, Lord, in the face of all this opposition, let us talk about Jesus even more. Let us be even bolder in talking about Him. They don't pray for safety or security. They pray for boldness. It's amazing. It's not what you'd expect them to to do. A few years ago, a man named Donald Craybill wrote a book called The Upside-Down Kingdom. And the idea is that the Gospel is often upside down to what we would expect. That Jesus asks us to do things that we wouldn't normally do. He says things like, the first shall be last and the last first. That blessed are those who are persecuted. He says, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn your face and let him slap the other side. He says, don't store up treasures uh, here on earth because they'll be worthless in the age to come. These are all upside down things that we we wouldn't normally think. We would think the first is the first, not the first shall be last. When we're persecuted, we feel not blessed, but under hardship. When someone slaps us, we want to slap them back, not turn the other cheek and let them hit us again. We want to store up treasures here on earth. We don't want to look ahead. We want it right here and right now. And and Jesus comes and says, no, all those things are upside down. You've got it all upside down. You need to turn it the other way. And here it is, upside down again. In the face of opposition, threats, and intimidation, they ask for boldness in their preaching. And then we see in verse 31 that God answers that prayer. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And they speak the Word of God boldly. Let's look at a clip here now for a few minutes with David Platt, who is the head of the International Mission Board, and Francis Chan talking about this very thing. Prayer, the Holy Spirit, and boldness, and the Word of God all working together. You and I wrestled in there, 
I don't think we're alone mm -hmm. in wrestling with this. I think this is, yeah, pretty commonplace. Mm -hmm. So how do we, how do we get out of this? Like, how do we, yeah. how do we really, as disciples of Jesus, wow, like yeah. make disciples of Jesus, like share the gospel. See, I, see, I don't, I don't want to be too simplistic, but. I really believe it's going to be a supernatural thing mm -hmm. as people gather together and pray for that courage. Mm -hmm. Like what I see in scripture is, and this is what has given me more of a peace about it. Because at first I'm like, what is wrong with me? Like <laughs> I shouldn't be uh, afraid. But then I, I don't know. Last couple of years, the Lord's shown me like how, you know, Peter and John, how people were astonished by, mm -hmm. you know, their boldness. But then you see later on in that chapter how the believers were gathered together with them and praying for their courage. Mm. And I go, well, we don't really do that. Um, I see the Apostle Paul even saying, pray for me that I may speak, the, you know, preach this message boldly like I should. And so Paul is asking the church, pray for me. And I don't think we really do mm. that. And, mm. and again, I mean, I believe this is going to be, you know, like if you and I, I don't have this discussion very often mm. with people mm. and admit that and then have them admit it to me. Mm. And then, you know, a lot of times it just ends right there yeah. because we don't believe in prayer enough mm. that I really believe something supernaturally would happen if we started praying for each other's boldness mm. and courage. Like it would just, it, it's a fruit of the spirit. It's not mm. something we're, we're trying to, I, I don't want to be the cheerleader that's like, come on, you can do it, you can do it. Mm -hmm. Like, no, let's, let's pray about this. Let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit. I mean, Paul had to tell Timothy, come on, this isn't the spirit that was given you. Mm. You're given one that, that, has, that has a courage, that has a power, that, that has a love, mm. that has a self-control. Mm. You know, like when you were saying, well, maybe I don't love that person. Mm. Maybe you don't. Mm. Um, see, most people would say, oh, no, David, you're <laughs> loving you, you know, and sure. just like, oh, Francis, come on, of course you love people. No, it's like, no, I don't think I love them like mm. I should. Mm. And pray for that. Yeah, and I think Christians are too quick to just try to comfort, mm. rather than saying, "Yeah, maybe you don't love enough. Uh, let's pray about that. Mm. Or maybe you're not bold enough. Let's pray for that." See, and that's that's it because uh, we we are quick to comfort. We we just kind of mm -hmm. go back into coasting, and nothing yeah. changes. Yeah, and we just continue in that. And you're not helping no. that person no, when you do that because they're going to, I mean, it's like a fake comfort. Like, yeah. okay, thanks. Sure. Yeah. But you know what you read in Scripture yeah. and you see the way the people were in yeah. Scripture. And so the only comfort is let me pray for you and let me encourage mm. you to change that, to repent. Yeah. Um, and then once you do, then the peace comes. Like, I, I mean, the peace, when I do share, you know, mm -hmm. my faith, Absolutely. it's like, Yes. Oh, I feel so much better now. Yeah. You know, yeah. way more than someone patting me on the back and oh no, mm -hmm. you're okay. Uh, yeah. It's it's I'm actually doing. It. It's like oh, this is it. This is good. Yeah. You get to experience God. I was about to say. Then I think the other day uh, was uh, it was a Sikh man that I was talking with at a coffee shop and man, as we got we started talking about the gospel and just had this yeah. wonderful gospel conversation. And yes, you experience yeah. the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> like. Yeah. Uh, it's it's supernatural yeah. in a in a 
otherworldly kind of way, yeah. and then it's like, yes, why don't I do this more Yeah, often? and then you go home and you're all happy. Yeah, yeah. it's like, hey, you have the kids. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that weight off. Okay, I, yeah. I am doing it. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's where the people Well, and, and that's, that's key. Even uh, when we think about uh, like gathering or uh, material, uh, like apart from just a real desperation for the Spirit of God and a focus on prayer, like, it's not that we don't have, we have tons of resources for how to share the gospel in the yeah. church today. Yeah. We've got tons of resources. I mean, we it's not like we're the only people talking about disciple makers. I mean, yeah. we're all talking about, but are we doing it? And, and really, oh, we need the Spirit of God to, to empower us yeah. and embolden us. And we need yeah. to call out for him to do that. And we need a supernatural awakening in that sense. Yeah, and I'm trying to think how many times in my whole Christian life, you know, 30 years now, how many times have I had other believers pray for my courage, mm. my boldness to go out and share with other people? Mm. Up until this last year, mm. I think I could count on one hand. And then we mm. wonder, why am I so insecure? Why am I so afraid? Yeah. Well, do I really believe in mm. prayer and mm. gathering believers together to pray over me that that's actually going to change yeah. something? And so right now in San Francisco, I mean, yeah. you are gathering together with guys mm-hmm. every single morning to do yeah. exactly that. Yeah. And then you're going out yes. and sharing the gospel yes. door and to door. Yeah, it's been awesome because just to have like-minded people in the room and, and to encourage one another, come on, let's do this, let's do this, don't get afraid, mm-hmm. don't, okay, I know this happened, and to share our discouragements from the day before, mm-hmm. pray, Worship, my God, no, we're going to do this. Give us, give us new, you know, remind me. I need to be reminded to love. Mm-hmm. I need to be reminded yeah. to be bold. I got to be reminded of who I am. I got to be reminded that I'm forgiven, mm-hmm. you know. And so I even sent guys this, like the other morning, just read some verses to me about mm-hmm. the cross. Mm-hmm. I just need to know that I'm really forgiven. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, good, good, good. Because I don't want to walk out like this. Uh, Okay, let me earn my forgiveness somehow. Or, mm-hmm. you, you know, we just need people to do that. But as we pray for each other in the boldness area, I do see it. I mm-hmm. see it happen. There's mm-hmm. just days where it's like, talk to anyone. And that's not normal for me. That's mm-hmm. not, I, I can't muster that up. So let's look at the prayer, the believer's prayer in verse 29 that they pray. And there's four parts to that prayer that we can look at. The first thing they say is consider your threats. The the people are not blind to to what's happening uh, around them. So they they, they ask God to consider the threats, consider the threats of those leaders. And so they're not going into this uh, blind and uh, uh, unsure about what's happening, but they're willing to accept the risk. They understand the risk <coughs> of this, of what they're trying to do, of sharing the gospel, of talking about Jesus. Then you see the next thing they say is enable your servants. Enable your servants. 
And so that's through the Holy Spirit that that enabling happens. And it was just like David and Francis were talking about in that video. Um, how many of us feel the same way of the things that they were expressing? I can't do it. I can't be that bold. It makes me nervous. I'm afraid. And the ability to come and do these things that God asks us to do comes with His Spirit. comes as the Spirit lives in us and works in us and allows us to, uh, uh, to do the things we can't do on our own. You know, I describe myself as a fairly risk-averse person. I like routine, regular, predictable life. I don't particularly go out and seek risks as I uh, live my life. And yet, a number of years ago, I packed up my, my stuff, my wife, two small kids, and we went off to Africa. How did I do that? That's not how I normally live my life. It's only through the empowering of the Spirit that I was able to do that. Through God moving in my life and being open to uh, following His lead. And so that's what we're talking about here. That's what these believers are praying for. That can be our prayer as, as well. To be enabled uh, to, to do something that normally we wouldn't do on our own. And then he says, we, uh, then they ask to, to speak your word, to, uh, to enable your servants to speak your word. Speaking the word of God is what we're, what we're talking about doing. They asked to speak the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they were speaking it to those who needed to hear. This was their prayer. And then finally they asked for boldness, to declare this with boldness. That they would not be uh, obnoxious or rude and uh, that sort of thing, but just bold. And you can be bold in a loving and caring and thoughtful, friendly kind of way. You can be helping someone in need, giving a cup of cold water, a word of encouragement in Jesus' name, and you can do it with boldness. And So it doesn't need to be rude. We're not talking about doing something like uh, perhaps this... Uh, this lady is doing. This takes uh, nothing wrong with this, but this takes a bit of courage to stand out there uh, with this kind of sign. And so part of the boldness that they have is that we see in verse 30, they even ask God to come to heal, perform signs and wonders through the name of Jesus. So they're asking God to do the miraculous. And then we see in this passage at the uh, end of our passage of, for today in verse 31, we see God answering the prayer. And it follows exactly along with what they had prayed for. It says, after they prayed, and it seems like this is almost an immediate thing that happened. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They experienced God's presence. They asked for help. They asked uh, to, uh, to accept the risk. And how did God respond? He responds by doing something supernatural. They asked for it, and He did it. They experienced God's presence as a way of Him, God saying, I am with you. That I'm answering that question. Uh, you don't have to be risk adverse here because I am with you. And so they, they experienced God's presence. The place where they were meeting was shaken. It says they were filled with God's Holy Spirit. So they asked for enabling. And what happened? God filled them with His Spirit. He enabled them. He gave them that power to go out and share the Gospel. And it says that they uh, spoke the Word of God. That's what they went out to do. They didn't tell 
about themselves. They didn't talk about the weather, but they went out and shared the Word of God. And then the last, in verse 31, they did it with boldness. God fully answered their prayer. They, they asked for those four things and God responded in those same four things. And this was when they had a heart to reach out. And so as we think about outreach in our community, as we think of outreach with our friends, with our neighbors, we can follow the example of uh, the early believers in Acts chapter 4. And so there's some things we can do. We can pray. And that's what the video was saying again and again. Just pray. Pray about it. Pray for one another. Pray for yourself that, uh, that God would help you. And pray specifically. Put together a list of those names of people who you want to share the Gospel with. Of people who are on your heart. Family members, friends, co-workers. Make a, a little list of people to pray for. And start with praying. Be open to God's working. Be open to His leading. That Ask God. Pray. God, this day, can You show me? Can You give me someone to share a word with that needs it? God, give me one person today. One opportunity to share the Gospel. And then as the believers did too, we can be bold. We can pray for boldness. To be strong and courageous. To be uh, fearless in talking about Jesus. This is the example that we have uh, from, the, from Peter and John and the believers who were gathered there in Acts chapter 4. And I think as we consider outreach in our church and in our lives, these are some important things for us to also consider. As the worship team comes, let's pray. Father, we thank You for uh, the good news of Jesus Christ that we have. We pray that You would fill us with Your Spirit to give us that boldness, to give us those opportunities to share the Gospel, to speak about Jesus, to tell people the good news of Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.